It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, everyone. This is episode 46 of a Quick Resume Podcast. Thank you so much for coming. My name is Deck. if you haven't been here before. Uh, that handsome fella over there, that's Tim. Hello. Hi. Um, and we're here today to talk about the weekly... Xbox stuff, um, and it, mostly this week, it's just a load of drama, really. I mean, half the stories are about PlayStation, and the other half is just like kind of news and speculation. And of course, you know, there, anything that's left is probably just being sucked up into the power vacuum that is Elden Ring. Um, so we will start with the pleasantries. Tim, we had a lovely weekend together, didn't we? Me and you, very romantic. No one else. We- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I want to disclose that there was other people there, just just in case, uh, just in case that gets a bit weird. And is, uh... Yeah. But yeah, no, Wrong yeah, idea. we um, <clears throat> we all met up, um, us, me and Deck, and uh, some of our like, I guess they're Xbox friends, right? I mean, that's how we initially met them, but we've known them for a while. We've met up loads of times and stuff like that. Um, so we we just had ourselves a lovely little weekend. Um, of Before drinking. Eurogamer, I mean, it was meant to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The plan was to do Eurogamer, which we do. We try and do every year, uh, as long as it's sort of accessible to us. Um, and it's been in Birmingham the last couple, so um, it's nice. It's it's nice and near deck, so that's that's why we normally do it. But obviously, Eurogamer got cancelled, um, but we still just thought, fuck it, let's just meet up anyway. Uh, just yeah. just get some drinks in and just chat and hang out and stuff. And yeah, it was a great time. Yeah, it was a really good time. Uh, I'm super crazy tired. Um, mm. I mean, the first night was like five in the morning. Um, yeah, it was just crazy. And then, the, yeah, the second night was like two, two, three a.m. or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit tired. I'm glad I put the extra day off work today. Um, and uh, and yeah, yeah. So there hasn't actually been too much. Uh, I mean, the standard sort of Elden Ring after after work and that sort of thing. Uh, and then we all met up like early Friday and then until now that the entire weekend was consumed with that. So we didn't do like any gaming or anything. So yeah. And we um, watched the Batman yeah. as well. Oh, we did. Yes. Yeah. That was actually a really good movie. Yeah. yeah. Really, it was a really big good. thumbs up from all of us, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was super good. Um, it, it, it was... For those of you who obviously look at the runtime and everything, it's a very long movie, but it does. I feel like the pacing is really good. I feel like at no point was I really that bored or felt like the time was going that slowly. Um, And just like the cinematography in that movie was just like really good, like the camera shots and stuff like that. Um, The lighting. I felt like there were just loads of really good like use of like angles and stuff like that i mean i'm not great with explaining this sort of stuff with movies but it just felt quite artistic the way it was done um as opposed to just like a standard sort of action movie um but yeah, yeah. It, had, really it, had, it had like some noir elements going for it and then it um yeah it was definitely like a slow burn um and lots of variety in the cinematography um 
Yeah, I agree. It, it's got, I said this, you know, I'm glad it, it kind of carved its own path out for a new set of, of Batman movies um, in that it wasn't like fully, it wasn't just a straight up action movie. And I don't tell that as a bad thing, obviously, because The Dark Knight is some of the best films like made ever. <laughs> uh, but they were like, they were like action movies and like, but they were, and they were bloody good ones. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas these don't feel like straight up action movies. They feel like, like, investigative um, yeah he kind of felt like a detective a yeah quite a detective noir horror, uh, yeah. horror action movie um yeah so I, I would say like if my barometer for like how i think if someone is gonna like this is if they liked how they how warm they were on blade runner 2077 or dune um i don't think this was that dissimilar i think it was a a bit better than dune mm. um in terms of it's pacing, but I think its style is very similar um, in that yeah. it's it's deliberate and slow, um, mm. with a big emphasis on on like symbolic storytelling um, over like lots and lots of exposition. Uh, but that's yeah. funny because I think that, and I spoke to Beth who watched it over the weekend as well, when she was like, "Yeah, they talk too much, <laughs> overexplained everything." I was yeah. like, "All right, well, you know, fair enough, I guess." So, but, uh, I... but yeah. I do, I do think it, it it depends on like the villain as well. I feel like it was quite detective and very investigative, investigative and all that sort of stuff because the villain was the Riddler. Yeah. Um. I feel like if they use a different villain in a different movie, maybe it'll be a bit more actiony in the next one or something like that. But that that sort of style just just fits the Riddler, right? It is what it is. The, the guy is basically a dweeby nerd. And he he only wins when he's playing a game, right? Um. So yeah. I could be the Riddler, I think. No, I don't know, man. You got more like <laughs> Bane, Bane-like features. You're just really strong and hench, you know. Really? Do you think? Yeah, I think so. Well, yeah. I'm doing it for you. I definitely think you no? fit that bit, a bit more. No, you can't. You just put your t-shirt over your face. I don't <laughs> see what's going on here. I can't even see your glasses. That's what you did, isn't it? That's basically what you did. Essentially. Anyway. That was the Batman. Big recommend. Um, I would give it like a nine overall. I thought it was really that good. Um, yeah. I was really impressed. Um, yeah, and it was just a, it was just a good old romp, wasn't it? We had a good old romp. Um, we did. And so yeah, we're back really, and you know we had some time to sort of speak about Elden Ring because that's kind of what we've been playing in a party for like you know the last week or so. So you know our parties have just consisted of like ten seconds of silence and then. Fuck god damn it. Shit yeah. fuck <laughs> Are you kidding or me? Like, oh <laughs> Or just like oh nice oh this is cool like yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it's either just like pure rage or like just pure wonderment. Like Yeah. And then after thirty five minutes somebody says, Alright, fuck this. So one of you one of you boys go and help me. <laughs> yeah. Get your fucking fingies down. <laughs> yeah. I uh I saw um, this really funny meme of um you know that scene in uh is it? I think it is the Fellowship of the Ring where Bilbo has the where old Bilbo has the ring and he's like looking down at it and he's like, after all, why shouldn't I keep it? I saw this meme yeah. someone being like, maybe I should summon. After all, why shouldn't I summon? <laughs> like just outside of Foghall. <laughs> yeah, that is pretty good. Yeah. yeah. On like the like fiftieth <laughs> attempt. Oh god. So that's yeah. been happening with us, really. Um, we hope you've obviously all had a fabulous week. Um, it's been, it's been reasonably, 
it's been reasonably quiet, I'd say. Um, other than mm. like on the Xbox front, we've had some some Games Pass news. You know, Phil Spencer um, went up and claimed his Dice Award this week. That happened, and a couple of other stuff like roadmaps and stuff. But like I said, a lot of oh, and I, I think probably the big thing to be honest from Xbox happened this week was was Halo, um, and and the sort of three for three breaking the silence around to season uh, season two and then what's kind of happening there. Um, yeah, but. We got all of that to talk about. So, I mean, I guess I want to kind of do a bit of a check it. Well, actually, no, I didn't. First thing, I want us to all put our hands together and no, uh, no, <laughs> make I a solemn, <laughs> a solemn prayer to whatever leave. constellation leave. of gods you feel are going to help Tim in this hard time for losing his reward streak of what was it, twenty six or something? His Microsoft reward streak. Look, I'm just trying to help. I want you to grieve and, and move past this. <laughs> it was 21. I got to 21. So I got, I got the big 20 increase. Yeah. And then <clears throat> I fucked it because I changed my <laughs> stupid fucking region for Elden Ring to New Zealand. And it so fucked up my day. time zone. <laughs> and I lost a day. And then I left it to the last minute because all I was doing was playing Elden Ring. And yeah, I lost it. But I'm over it. It sounds like it. <laughs> you know, you sound well over yeah, it. Yeah, I'm over it. Okay, okay, good. It's like a weight lifted off my shoulders. I don't have to do it anymore. I don't care. I think you do. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well... No, I do care. I'm on week 46, just to put it out there. Which is the same episode as our podcast, which I think is kind of cute. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. But other than that, I wanted to kind of check in on um, just general Elden Ring stuff. Obviously, this game has like, it's been like a real, I mean, we've already said this, but it has been like a cultural moment. It's been like a real flag in the sand. You know, the zeitgeist is fully in effect. Um, and people are going to be talking about this, you know, when, where were you when Elden Ring came out? Um, you know, it's it's entered the top seven. I think it was sixth, sixth most concurrent Six. game played on Steam ever and that number's mm-hmm. still going up um and you know i can only i mean i'm seeing like decent amount of advertisement for it but it's doesn't it does it's not getting like bombarded the same way like sony exclusives do like, like they pump a lot of money into marketing like you, I, I see more horizon advertisement than i do Elden ring so to think that a lot oh, yeah. of this is like word of mouth is well i mean i guess it's I say, you know, there's like a virality element to games these days, isn't there? You know, you watch people on Twitch and like YouTube. And Especially games like this with the difficulty and stuff like that. People and like to watch their favorite streamers yeah. like fucking smash their head against the wall. That makes them want to play it and buy it themselves. Like these things sell themselves, um, Souls games. Yeah, um, right. Right. Um, so, so the game's obviously having like an incredible amount of commercial success right now, which is obviously really good for From, um, for FromSoft. Um, and I, I guess I just kind of wanted to check in where we're at now that we've had another week. Um, like, are we still in the honeymoon phase or do we think we're over that now? Like what, what, what's happening? Uh, <clears throat> I think I'm, I, I want to say I'm over the honeymoon phase cause I am, but it still feels like the honeymoon phase cause I'm just still in love with this game. Yeah. Um, like it isn't quite as crazy as, as before. Like I needed to spend every waking moment on it, but, like i just i just love i just love booing it up and playing it and running around and just picking a direction and going um it's just it's just fantastic like uh i do genuinely think it's probably one of the best games i've ever played um yeah it's 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 so 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 good um 
and yeah i'm just discovering so much finding so many new things all the time um yeah dude i just don't even know like it's just crazy to think that like i have so much in my inventory that i kind of want to do builds around or like try something new with already and i haven't even finished my first playthrough with my chosen build and it's just like i just don't even know how many times i'm gonna play through this game um as uh, as it stands yeah Yeah, it's kind of crazy absolutely yeah and it's i just i like i'm still surprised at how big this fucking game is because like i mean if you listen was it last week was last week the first week we spoke about this or was it the week before i can't remember um i don't know time time has become a concept to me (laughs) i I think it would have been last week Mm. because it came out last uh on a friday didn't it yeah took a little flight to new zealand yeah um yeah yeah and I and I remember saying like you know when when I when we were just in like Lim Grave I was like the, the map's big but it's like not massive, and like I just I don't understand so how they've I mean yes but like I don't understand how they've crammed so much stuff into this map like I just you go down you like you go into this like any any given area pretty like eight times out of ten you go to any given area and you'll find something. And it's not just like an item on the floor. It's like a whole area or it's like mm-hmm. a dungeon or a catacomb. And like just today, like clearly it was one of the directions I was meant to go in. Or like, it, it looks like it's one of the main directions, but I just found it like at the bottom of a fucking like river. Like yeah. I just, it was like, it, it was just, it was like a nothing place. I was like, this is going to be a dead end. There's going to be an item here or two. And then I was like, oh, there's a lift there. Oh, there's a ladder there. All of a sudden, I'm scaling like scaffolding up a mountain, and now I've broken through the other side of the mountain. And there's like a whole nother, a whole different area with like a whole different mm-hmm. color palette. I'm like, how can this happen? How can this be? How can this be? Yeah. <laughs> just stuff like that is it's, just so mental. It is, yeah, it is so crazy to me, and it's and it's not just like it's not just like dead air in a map as well. Like it's all filled with something. It's it's really not often you're just running around on like torrent or something like that, and just you're just not finding anything to do, or you're not yeah. doing anything. Like I, I feel like you got that a lot in Breath of the Wild. Like sure, there was a lot to do on that map, but then you also did spend a lot of it just kind of running around sometimes, or like just stuff just really just wasn't worth your time, whatever it was. Like I'm not going to kill a camp of goblins for five arrows, but <laughs> <clears throat> like this is just. I don't know, man. There's just so much. It's so big. It keeps going. And then there's just always something worth your time as well. Um, And I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. How long have they been developing this game for? 50 years? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. How can can this have been made in a normal development cycle? I just don't understand. Because apparently FromSoft have an A team and a B team. And supposedly... Elden Ring development actually started before Sekiro. So Sekiro came out like 2019. 2019? 2018? 2019. I think it was 2018. 2018, do you think? Okay. I think so. So supposedly Elden Ring started before even Sekiro started. Uh, So then Sekiro started afterwards and because it's a smaller project. Not small by any means, but still finished um, in in time. or b- before, well, well before Elden Ring even came out. So, you know, it must have been like, we're talking sort of six years, which is like a big AAA cycle, but like it could have been longer. And it wouldn't surprise me because 
it's just there's so much and it's not even just like map space because it's easy to like look at map and be like this game is so big but it's not like you know the density i'm not just talking about surface area or like volume or topography or density like in terms of the shit the sheer amount of shit in the game like the weapons Mm -hmm. the animations i don't know if i've ever seen so many different animations in a single game like yeah from your character from like enemies it's just bewildering and the fact that all of the like souls asymmetric multiplayer is is built into that to just like kind of enhance it as well it it's just bonkers like i I, it really is crazy how much is in this game and i think it's going to spoil a lot of games for a lot of people (laughs) yeah oh yeah for sure man it's it it almost feels like a borderlands infinite generator sometimes for like just the the weapons you can pick up like it's it's so crazy that i'm like I'm probably like 40 hours in at this point and I'm still finding new categories of spells and incantations and stuff like that. And that's just a category. Yeah, There's probably like 20 spells within that category. I'm still finding categories. like, And I'm like, what does this even scale with? And it's just like, oh, this one's like arcane in faith and this one's faith in intelligence. And it's just like, I just... Sometimes it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) You're just constantly finding something new. Yeah, it's exhausting. I like find a cool new spell, and I'm like, (sighs) it's so fucking cool. But like, Jesus Christ, I don't even know where to go with this. Yeah, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just incredible, man. I'm just having such a good time with it, and I kind of just all I want to do is play it. I don't even really want to be here right now. That's understandable. You just want to be in you the lands be between. Uh, yeah, I, I just... They really, like, stepped up, like, sorcery and, and magic in general, like, in terms of how it's integrated. And just the amount of it, there's so much of it. It's so much more, like, interesting and varied. Um, and I guess... Because there was something I wanted to speak about, which isn't at all related to magic, but just... I guess, I guess maybe a few things. But, like, the first thing is, like, usually if a game is this long, I'd be complaining by now. But just because everything is knocked out of the park so like fantastically, like I'm, I'm just not bored yet, and I feel like there's still so much to do, um, and I'm going to like the, th- the game gives you so much novelty, and I think like the flip side of that when I think about like something like Halo Infinite, which was like I love that campaign, it was good for different reasons. Like I think most games are good because they give you like a narr- front and center, they give you a narrative to follow. Obviously, Halo Infinite has some like wonderful gameplay, but it was it was it was re- uh, but it was like essentially two biomes you know there was like a forerunner structures and then there was like pacific northwest which was like a variety of like trees or like burnt down tree areas and then mixed in structures and whatnot and that was fine for what it was because it was a condensed compact experience that wrapped up in like Mm -hmm. i think it took me like 14 15 hours if that had dragged on for like another five hours i'd have been like elden ring i'm finding a new environment still I, i mean i must be at like the 40 hour mark now like every like five yeah. hours or so like a brand new environment and i'm like i there's just novelty so often and that's kind of crazy to me because like, i spoke about this idea before of like what i really respect about this idea this this type of game design where you follow your nose is that it's very much heavy on this that idea of like intrinsic motivation rather than extrinsic and that's what i kind of i think makes narrative driven games so enticing for people is that you keep playing because you are interested to see what happens next not because you want to get another axe which has plus two like damage yeah and Elden ring has expands that idea beyond the narrative and it's like you know what's beyond that 
tower over there what's that item that's dangling off the cliff that i can't and like every step of the way it's, i feel like it's designed to not just like mechanically in game make you interested to want to go there but also because the art of the world is directed so well it's like i kind of want to see what i can see from up there or like you know the yeah. game signposts you to like a fork in the road and you're like man this looks absolutely stunning and you know and most people mm-hmm. are going to have that moment because of the way and i've used this I've used this word before because of the way that the game signposts you to particular points of interest. Um, and so you get there and you have these moments of like having a bit of introspection and saying like, you know, like, wow, that looks cool. And then, Oh wow. Look at that over there. I'm going to go there. And you do that because you see it and you think that's interesting. You don't do that because you think, look at that orange bar, which denotes a legendary sword. <laughs> you know, like that's, and that, yeah. that's what I mean. Like it gives you that you want to do it because you want to do it, not because of the game saying you should yeah yeah for sure um yeah i can't even tell you the amount of times i mean pretty much every time i scale something or get to a cliff edge or somewhere high or just somewhere new i I just take my time just to look around and look off the edge and just see what i can see yeah and even if there's no point of interest just because just to be like hey i was down there 30 minutes ago that's kind of cool now i'm up here and i'm in this new area you know that that sort of thing it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's it's just pure discovery, isn't it? And adventure right. at, at, at the end of the day. Um, and it just makes it so easy just to push on. Just just not not necessarily to be like, oh, there must be a boss at the end of here that has like a cool weapon for me. But just to be like, what is it? I just <laughs> yeah, I just wonder what's through that door. Like, is that just like, am I gonna? Is it gonna be like a new forest area, or is it gonna be like, or a boss? I don't know, or something like that. You know, it's just that not knowing is what drives you just to yeah. keep going um That's, and yeah man it's just it's crazy good yeah it's the fact that the game trains you from like minute one of like don't know what's around that corner do you better have a look yeah <laughs> and sometimes you'll go around yeah, a corner yeah. and you'll find nothing but rocks and a message and that's the thing that that's where like the asymmetric multiplayer comes in a little bit because you'll see a message that just says like finger butthole or something <laughs> you know yeah. and there'll be nothing else there and you'll be like well fine you know but like there's it just creates this cool effect where like there's even if there's no like in-game item at least you have a shared experience with someone else of like i've gone here and there's nothing here and someone yeah, else exactly. has said something and so so there is yeah, something you still, <laughs> yeah you, you still get a chuckle out of it yeah just by just reading a message that says like disappointment ahead or something like that and it's just like a dead end like that still doesn't feel like wasted time because you get a chuckle out of it and you still explored that corner that you wanted to um but yeah and i think Mm -hmm. i think this is one of the things that like makes that pivot into open world design so good for souls games because and i think like the more i think about it because i've been thinking about it more especially just because i'm pretty sure in when you go into new game plus for souls games you typically you keep everything don't you like all your weapons all your spells Mm-hmm. none of this shit would be nearly I, I would be i would get quite demotivated if there was like uh like an inventory weight system i know there's weight but that's based on what's equipped but you can pick yeah. everything up in the game and have it in your backpack oh, that's, imagine yeah, if that's that wasn't there suck. and I you had to go to a so grace much. transfer it to a toolbox and i just i like because it's funny because from soft are like very hit and miss with like quality of life but this is one of the things I've got right from the outset with Souls. Like it's never been a thing. It just if you find it, it's yours forever, and it won't impact the way yeah. you want to play. And it's just I think this is one of the things that I think I didn't find as captivating with 
Breath of the Wild. Yes, I know I'm making the comparison again, but I know I, if I go to that chest, I'm going to find a weapon which is like it doesn't, and there's no weight management, but it's gonna it, like it's finite. That's mm. the difference, yeah. right? It, it's finite. Um, whereas if I pick something up, I'm like, this is something else that I can add to this mixing pot of like builds at some point in the future, and that's kind of like exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, because that there was that whole thing in Breath of the Wild where you found a really cool weapon and you just held on to it because you didn't want to use it because you didn't feel like the scenario was right. You didn't want to waste the health on it or whatever because nothing lasts forever in that game. Um, and yeah, you just don't get that here, and it's just such a better. It's 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 so much better the the system for just keeping it like that. And like you said, it's just it's just yours forever. You can use it whenever you want. You can respec into it later. You can use it in your game plus if you want. You know, you don't you technically don't even have to touch it for another hundred hours of gameplay. But when you want it, it's there. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's perfect in my opinion. They've done it with every single Souls game, and I've loved it every single time because it just gives the it just gives the freedom to the player. Um, and again, it just feels like you're never wasting your time as well, because eventually you're going to get around to doing a build with some with most of the stuff in there. Um, so even if right now you do all that dungeon, you come out with a sorcery spell, it's like, well, I'm a strength build. It's just like, well, you're not going to be a strength build later, so you're going to want that later, you know. So just it helps that nothing feels like wasted time, um, sort of element. So. And there's there's no inventory limit either, which I guess was kind of the other point because one of the things yeah. that really annoyed me about Breath of the Wild, like I, you had yeah, to find like the broccoli stuff. head yeah. little boy and whatever, like and I like like I could have like looked up where to find and farm like seeds and whatever, but it's like I don't know that that always kind of annoyed me because it was like I have limited space to actually get these weapons that I'm already demotivated to get because there's a lot of copy pasting and they're finite, whereas. Yeah. It's souls they're just like nope just pretend that doesn't exist that part is all magical like and it's not it's not re- this is a it's not it's not remotely immersion breaking i don't no. pick up a sword and be like oh i shouldn't be able to carry this dead game you know like i'm i'm perfectly fine with compromising that uh for you know the immersion that having all of this accessible to me in game creates like is it really mm-hmm. Does it really help if I have to, like I say, go to the grace, put it back in the chest, or take it back out? The, like I don't think that, that that just creates like unnecessary hassle. It doesn't really add anything. Um, yeah. I, and I know there's a place for that in some like more sim heavy um, experiences. I, I I get that, but I'm just so glad that none of that is here because it, it just creates so such a frictionless experience in like reviewing your build, seeing what you want to do next, having a look at like what you could do. Um, you know, and, and that's like part of the excitement. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I wouldn't have it any other way. Um, yeah, immersion breaking or not, which it isn't, by the way. Um, yeah, it just it, it it's absolutely fine the way it is. It, it would trigger me super hard if I had to store stuff or retrieve stuff and um, from graces all the time. Um, mm. So, so yeah. I so I think it's just like final thing on the topic for me, just because it, it's been something I've been thinking about because it, it's something I remember that I said in an earlier episode, like way back when I was playing Fallout Four, and I spoke about the idea of like a silent protagonist, um, and I said I remember saying that uh, I kind of feel like we're kind of past that, um, but this is interesting because I don't feel like 
giving voice lines to your tarnish would add anything. So I kind of, you know, and, and you obviously you just act as a vessel to experience the world, which I guess is what a lot of those older games by back in the 2000s did as well. Like you could argue, like, I mean, I think I still feel, I'm not going to say chief because yeah. chief is a, is a character. I get that. It's meant to be more of a, a blank like template but like fallout 3 for example mm-hmm. was the, the thing the comparison we were talking about at the time because they made fallout 4 a voice character fallout 3 wasn't and in the same sense that allowed you to be a vessel through the world and the decisions that you made so like i kind of feel like i might be wrong <laughs> i don't know like because maybe this is just i don't know if this is just a souls thing i don't know it's yet to be seen but i'm definitely like quite i'm definitely questioning myself now i'm like Maybe that is maybe that was just something that was really popular at the time, and it's gone out of, uh, like, it's it's just not popular anymore. And because of that, I just have become a bit less, like, tolerant of it. And now, because now mm-hmm. that this is happening here, like, I'm not at all noticing the fact that my tarnish is not speaking. Like, I don't feel like that would really add anything. You know? Do you know what I mean? <clears throat> yeah, I do know what you mean. Um, yeah, I don't think it would add. I don't think it would add anything at all um i think it's just it it does depend on the game though um this and souls games in general just they tell so much story through environment and just through the bosses you face by design and stuff like that so you don't necessarily and your character has body language too you see him in the third person in cut scenes and stuff like that and you have a voice bosses come in yeah yeah exactly grunting (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you grunt and you Death scream noises. and cry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, but I, I don't know. There's just like this element of just, you're kind of just like this undead thing that's kind of just been brought back to life to do a job and you're just kind of getting on with it. Like you don't need to just be like, you don't need to have a voice. I don't know. Um, and I, I, I do, it's, it's, it's very, it's very dependent on the game. I think, um, and I think it'd be weird if your character had a voice in this game. And it's like you do mm. ask questions and stuff like that. Like you do talk to characters, like Gideon at the round table, With and text. you're like, "Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly." And then he talks to you, so it kind of does. You can kind of imagine your character saying that and just be like, "Oh, what about this?" And then he tells you about it. So that there is input there sometimes, mm. but there's just not. I don't know, and there's not much dialogue either. It's not. It's not often you're just sitting there staring at an NPC like in Fallout, and it's just reciting dialogue yeah. at you over and over and over. It's like a few lines, just some cryptic ass shit, <laughs> and then you just get on with your with your journey, right? Um, it's it's just I don't know. It's just different. Um, it is but different. Yeah, it's not needed. 100. It, it is different, and like you know, we um, a lot of people are like having this conversation now of like, oh, like is this going to impact? Or I guess you know, how? You know, maybe it's inevitable. How is this going to impact like other games going forward or influence? And I think that's one of the biggest things. This kind of, I think, reliant or uh, creating very little friction between like gameplay and dialogue. Like in Elden Ring, and I know Elden Ring isn't the first game to do this, but it, it just um, it just goes really nicely. Oh, sorry, I'm getting called, so it's just thrown my thrown my computer. <laughs> That's fine. Am I still here? Can you hear You're me? Still here. You're still here. You're still here. You're still here. You're still here. Um, God, what was I saying? 
What was I saying? I don't know. I'm going to be honest. Excellent. You, Wicked. You threw me off. Anyway, um, I was going to... Uh, I'll chime in. You good? Yeah, no, I just remembered. I was saying about um, having... Elden Ring is not the first game to do that where you don't have like friction between um, gameplay and like dialogue. And I'm interested to see if other games will sort of pick up on that and and let that kind of like that be like the principle that guides the gameplay. Because, I, you know, sometimes you do get this in games, don't you, where it like it you just want to move around. You want to have that agency. And sometimes like it whips the camera away and you're like, uh, it's something I noticed happened a lot in Psychonauts 2. And it can be really annoying. <laughs> like I don't have yeah. to be. I can still whip move around here. But I guess it, it you know it's, it's pros and cons game. And it is like you said, it's just different. Elden Ring is not. None of the Soul games are like narrative first games. I would say. I would say no. they're gameplay first games, and there is story around that. Um, and I, I think mm. that's just an interesting angle. Yeah, I also, <clears throat> I also think it kind of. I think the custom character comes into play a lot with with having a voice or not as well. I feel like games and RPGs that don't have a custom character, they force you to play somebody. I think those work better when they have voice acting. But I just find it weird when you create a character and you can make him look so fucked. You can make them look so weird. And then they've just got like male voice A and then in cutscenes, they're just like... <laughs> die man and it's just like like in outriders it was weird it it just it it didn't work like i would have rather have had a silent protagonist in outriders but then you look at something like witcher and it's just like mate imagine if you were silent like Geralt was silent in the witcher he just didn't speak like there's just certain contexts where it works and it doesn't and i feel like when the game gives you a character doesn't make you create one I feel like that works better with with an invoice with an in-game voice rather than I think custom characters create create your own characters. I think those sort of games work better when they're silent protagonists. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's weird when they have a voice. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um so yeah, I mean that's sort of that's kind of where we're at with Elder Ring and sort of the discussion of kind of how that's going. Um but I we're, we're interested to hear how, how you guys are finding it as well. So, you know, let us know in the comments. Um, yeah. So um, is that, Oh, I suppose uh, this, cause this was kind of one of the first stories. So, you know, um, and it was just it's a small thing, but it was kind of weird that like some developers from Ubisoft, uh, uh, as well as guerrilla games and um, developers of horizon uh, had a, a tweet thread being a little bit salty about the success of Elden Ring. Um, Oh, yeah, and I think I don't know. Like, I guess to a degree, it's because Elden Ring is being held up as like kind of a ma- the mascot boy for like the new style of a, a, a the, the neo <laughs> the neo open world game. Um, so, like, just to read a couple of the comments out here. The fact that Elden Ring scored a ninety seven Metacritic is proof that reviewers don't give a flaming poop about game UX. My life is a lie. Nor PC graphics stability and performance, apparently. Nor Quest Design, really. That was, so that was three different developers. Um, okay. Which I think they all subsequently got deleted. Um, but that seems a bit weird to be getting pissy about Elden Ring. It's a, it's, a, it's, it's a bit weird, right? 
and and I think we've we've already said it's it's definitely it's the style of RPG. Like some RPGs are just suited to have a quest design, to have a quest journal. You read about it, you go to a point, you do it. It works good in Assassin's Creed and stuff like that, and it works fine for like Horizon and everything like that. The way Elden Ring is built, if you were to just slap that on the top of a Horizon formula, I don't know if it would work, or like a God of War formula. So it's just like, there's no need to be salty about it. It's just like, yeah, the quest design's different in Elden Ring. That that's that's not a problem. It just mm. it just suits the game. That's not saying that they think quest design should only be done this way, and anyone who does quest design in a different way <laughs> is doing it wrong. Yeah. So it's just like just. I don't know, just quit being such a salty little bitch. Like, I don't know. That's really what it comes down to. And game and game UX, like UX being the user experience. Um I don't understand. <laughs> it's like HUD, I think. What, um There's plenty of stuff going on in the HUD in Elden Ring. I actually think the HUD is fantastic. It's actually quite well designed in terms of hotkeying items. Um, weapon equip, weapon swap, the new item pouch mechanic, um, and then obviously your standard health and all that sort of stuff in the top. I think the HUD is actually not cluttered, but actually offers a lot to the user in terms of information and stuff like that. So I don't know what that's about, but <laughs> yeah, it's a fair point. But I think I think it, I, I guess like uh, because a lot uh, the game does most of its communication through shit in game like the only example i can think of is like you know when you find those weird like hunch statues and you click on them and they show you like a beam of where like it doesn't pop up on your head and say cave discovered and then there's like a waypoint on your compass and there's like a side quest log yeah. but it's like it's, it's like that whole i i assume that that's maybe the angle um because some people do play souls games and and do like maybe who don't have the same sort of game sensor you know and maybe it's just not for them do find that like there isn't enough information like it's just a bit obtuse yeah. for some people sometimes, and I think Souls can do that sometimes. I don't feel like that. Yeah. I would I would say that's mostly not been my experience so far in Elden Ring, but I guess that's the angle. But nonetheless, like bitching about it on Twitter is kind of maybe not the way to go. <laughs> yeah, it's just I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a really weird angle to take. It's just like just just carry on working on your art, man. There's no need to to rip out someone else's art. Like just just stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's there's something to be said about um, Horizon, isn't there? You know, which everyone's been speaking about this over the last few weeks. The fact that the first Horizon released within a week of Breath of the Wild got overshadowed, and now the second one's released within a week of Elden Ring got overshadowed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could say that, but I mean, the game's still selling like hotcakes, and it's still getting reviewed fantastically. So is it really getting overshadowed? And like, I don't, I don't know. Would, would it have made much of a difference if Elden Ring just came out a little bit later? You know, at the end of the day, it's a single platform that Horizon gets released on. Um, you know, there's only a certain amount that it's actually uh, going to sell in comparison to a multi-pack game anyway. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like, again, that's just being a bit salty. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it has, for sure, it has taken some uh like spotlight like i guess that's the biggest thing like has it impacted sales like yeah, i mean maybe but the first horizon sold like big numbers and this one was so yeah, i feel like anyone well. who enjoyed the first horizon is going to buy the second horizon regardless of elden ring coming out like, they're going to buy it yeah I probably 
probably. Um, you're probably right. And um, yeah, so, so I mean, it's Horizon will be fine, but I guess that's the biggest thing is that it, it has, without a doubt, taken conversation away from it. Like Elden Ring is probably going to be like I, I'm already willing to say it's going to be the the most discussed game of the year. And I say oh, that yeah. as someone who yeah. is like already, like I've been buzzing about Starfield for a long time now. I I think Elden Ring is still going to have the most conversation about it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, in, in that sense, I think it probably has taken the conversation away. But in terms of sales, I think it will be fine. Has it impacted it? Uh, maybe, maybe a little bit, but I think it'll probably be fine. Yeah, I think so. Lovely. Okay, well, we're done with Elden Ring. Forty minutes in. Great. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so um, Sony had a big uh, first-party exclusive come out uh, this week in uh, Gran Turismo 7. Uh, it came out to an 88 Metacritic, which is like, seems to be Sony's like go-to score at the moment, which is obviously bloody <laughs> fantastic score. Um, 88 was the same for Horizon. I think I think Deathloop was also 88, and something else was as well. Maybe Re- was Returnal? Maybe Returnal wasn't that high. I can't remember. Yeah. But, um, but anyway, so nonetheless, a uh, big congrats to Polyphony. That is obviously a brilliant score. And it's, do you know what? It, I think it's it's good to see um, other publishers getting back in the race because Forza's just been like the dominant racer for a while. Um, and while Gran Turismo 7 is like very simmy, it's, you know, it's like the Forza motorsport um, yeah. sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it's good to see more in that. Even if they aren't for me, it's good to see more in that area for the people out there who enjoy that. But... The main point of the story, really, is that uh, it, just like how we spoke about last week with uh, Horizon Forbidden, Forbidden West, uh, people went absolutely dog like fucking nuts <laughs> because there were a couple of sites who gave it like a three point three out of five, or yeah, you know, six out of ten, whatever. Mm. Um, and it's just I I have like repeatedly said that I think reviews reviews are important, and that's like a like. That's becoming an unpopular opinion. I like aggregate reviews. I like Metacritic scores. But, like, obsessing over a point-to-point differences is, like... And, like, people go nuts and, like, tweet at reviewing websites, like, like calling them fucking idiots and everything. And it's like, I mean, like... The game's still got 88. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. what do you want? <laughs> so, yeah. <sighs> it's just petty, isn't it? Um... I mean, sure, I care about these overall scores, like you said, and especially when it comes to something like Halo. And I'm pretty bummed out, I guess, if some people were just like, some websites were just like clickbaiting and just giving it like a 6 out of 10, dragging the score down, trying to get more clicks in the article. Um, And, you know, I can see that and I'm like, oh, it's annoying. Let's drag Halo down to an 84, you know, or something like that. But like, yeah, I wouldn't just I wouldn't rage about it. I wouldn't be petty about it. I wouldn't start throwing insults at people about it. It's just like I don't know, it just is what it is, man. It's still a great score, it's still a great game, and and at the end of the day, it's kind of in the eye of the beholder anyway. Just fucking buy it and play it and enjoy it. Yeah, uh, yeah. About the masses sometimes. Well, I mean I mean, yeah, that definitely. Like if it piques your interest by all means. Um but you know because and that's it's just like it's just like list wars shit, you know. Because like at the end of the day, someone's just going to put together a bunch of numbers and say like platform X, platform Y, eighty-eight, eighty-seven, eighty-five, eighty-four, and it's like, what are we accomplishing here? Like, 
And I think for the just most part, getting, it's probably... getting under people's skin. Exactly. It's just like why? Why have we been so antagonistic? And it's um, you know, for the most part, I don't think outlets put in bad scores for no good reason because they'll get they'll get barred. Like, and that is another story. <laughs> that we will. In actual fact, we might as well go over it now. Um, and it's coming. It's coming off the back of the Horizon score. So, Survivor, which is um, one of Australia's. I think it's Australia's most read independent game site um, seems to have been blacklisted by Sony after a, uh, after a moderate horizon review, which is really weird. And there were also a couple of, um, you know, make of it what you will. There were a couple of Xbox centric um, reviewers who I know didn't get review codes for horizon. Um, mm-hmm. So, and so when we say blacklisted, we just mean that they're not going to get... They haven't gotten a review code. Um, and so yeah. Survivor also didn't get a review code for Gran Turismo either. So this is like... You know, it's intentional. This isn't a mistake. Um, and they can still put a review out after the embargo. But by that point, most people have made their decisions and made the sale based on the number that goes up. So it just raises this whole conversation yeah. around like, what what is an okay time for a publisher to intervene and decide this reviewer is no no longer no longer should be taken seriously um i don't know it is kind of a hard question i mean what what spurred this on anyway what what was the kind of review they gave horizon or whatever it was that created this reaction it was essentially just because it was a 6.5 okay it's pretty low. It's, it's fairly low, but I don't know. I guess it just comes down to like, it comes down to consistency and judging whether or not it is malicious or not. Like, I mean, I really don't know. It's 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 so hard to actually tell and to actually take action on something like this because at the end of the day, it is it's it's just it's somebody's opinion, um, and their opinion might not you know quite be exactly what everyone else's is or something like that i mean it depends on how drastic it is right if it's like an insane different score than than like other people's and it's pretty clear they're doing it for attention or something like that and there's like a clear pattern of them doing this in the past as well with previous games and like a clear pattern of being biased between platforms mm-hmm. then sure i think action should be taken right i i don't know if there is between these guys like is it pretty obvious that if you were to like separate xbox and sony titles like are they giving sony titles on average two to three points less than every reviewer and upping xbox platform ones well so th- is that the case this is so this is what fanboys started doing they started putting like cherry picking lists together which because but, but i think like again like you're getting into t- like a, a difficult territory here because now like so sony make reasonably games that share the same dna and if you don't like that dna it's fair to say that those games are going to get rated lower but um so people have put a list together here like for example survivor has given flight sim 9.5 ori 9 gears 5 9 psycho 2 9 uh goes back as far as quantum break somebody has as a nine forza motorsport 8.5 and then they've said they've listed a bunch of, of playstation games um on the lower end 
Forbidden West was 6.5, Zero Dawn, 7, Ghost of Tsushima, 7, Uncharted Legacy, I think, is that DLC? 7, uh, God of War, 8, The Last of Us 2, 8, Ratchet and Clank was a, no- was a 9, and then, so that, it's like cherry-picking shit, because then other people have responded to that and, like, pulled out, like, the really good reviews where he, where that site has given... Bearing in mind, this is, I, like, I'm assuming this is, like, different reviewers and different editors. Like, it's not always the same person. Yeah, um, yeah. Spider-Man Miles Morales, 95. The Last of Us, 10. Uncharted 4, 95. Ratchet and Clank Rift, Rift Apart, 90. Spider-Man, 95. Uh, you know, Dreams, 90. So it's like, this clearly isn't the case. And I just, like you said, you know, if he'd come out with a 2, <laughs> I'd feel like, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. But a 6.5, I've played 6.5s that I've enjoyed, <laughs> you know? Hmm. And like, yeah, that's the thing. You get into tricky territory when you start deciding who can and can't review your games uh, before launch because it's like, and that's the thing. I guess this kind of because it does annoy me a little bit because I think Sony clearly know that their fan base really are passionate about the me- about Metacritic numbers, or at least the, you know the, the vocal minority on Twitter. Um. And they really play into that. They do whatever they can to make sure there are higher numbers there because they know that that's kind of their angle. It gives them that kind of premium angle, um, and it and it keeps like fanboy conversations going on Twitter. And it, it does. I know it's more of a business move than it is like necessarily like a social one, but it, it it does it does rub me the wrong way a bit because it's like it just incites like silly bullshit like this, like silly drama that we really don't need at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, I I think that's exactly what it is. I think it's actually quite silly, especially looking at those sort of comparisons that these people have broken down. I don't see anything that outrageous in there, to be to be honest. I mean, I mean maybe like like the Demon Souls being a seven point five and God of War: The Last of Us Two being eight, still fantastic scores. But yeah. you know, these are it's like ten or nothing to these the, people. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Ghost of Tsushima maybe seems fairly harsh, but seven is still a, a pretty great score, and it's not like Ghost of Tsushima like broke ground, you know, with like new mechanics and stuff like that. Like, it, it did do a lot of stuff that other games have done as well, just with a really nice coat of paint on it, a great story, a great world, and stuff like that. But it didn't completely reinvent the genre or anything like that. So a seven is still a great score. Like nothing here is screaming out as absolutely outrageous to me, to be really yeah. honest. Exactly. Exactly. But So like overall, like I am like keeping a bit of an eye on this because, and it's not like, you know, I'm not going to pretend like Sony's the only organization to have done this. Like Bethesda had a well-known blacklist with, uh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Kotaku or something after a re- one of their games. I, I can't remember many of the details, but I remember Bethesda caught a lot of heat um, like many years ago for doing like a similar thing after after something. Don't know the exact details, and I remember them catching a lot of shit for that then. And, you know, I would be probably saying the same thing if the same thing happened here for Xbox. Um, I think it's... Yeah. I just think it's, it's kind of crazy, um, especially when, like... <laughs> 6.5 is a pretty good score. But hey ho. Um, yeah. And and I it's guess not, it's not atrocious. Yeah, yeah, it's not atrocious exactly. And I guess maybe, you know, if you've if you've come to expect that the average Sony 
AAA PlayStation game is going to be 85 plus Metacritic rather than a good game, like if you're willing to accept that those are two different constructs, then like, yeah, you're going to see 6.5 and be like, wow, this is 20 points lower than I expected. Something must be wrong here. Like, so this is why we have aggregate scores, right? This is so like in the grand scheme of things, if you, even if you took away this score from Metacritic, it's it's still going to be 88, which is a good score. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's a fantastic score. Yeah. Um, what a bell curve is. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In the scheme of things, it's a fucking drop of rain in the ocean, isn't it? Like just chill out. Yeah. Like, don't even get me started. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, I mean, there and there are games before where I've seen some like real ridiculous shit. Like, I still remember to this day Quantum Break, um, getting like oh, yeah. three to four to five, four out of tens or three out of tens, and it's like the fuck's that? Like four, yeah. like, the fuck's that? Like that seems because that was like, I think there were a couple of games like early in the Xbox One generation that, and like there's this. Because everyone's biased, so to some degree, if there is like negativity in the air around Xbox, some of that might seep into your review. You know, your general feeling of vibes about a game playing it on a console, mm-hmm. which generally isn't feeling good to you, or you know, like the company is fucked up. Like, yeah, you're only human, but that doesn't mean that you can't view it through a, a lens of like that seems a little bit harsh. Um, but yeah. I don't see that same excuse here with Sony. Sony is still like selling like PS5s like hotcakes. They're still commercially doing very very well. Um, yeah, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. So I guess I guess it, it is a different story, but um, it, it kind of does wrap into the same point around this kind of, I'm going to say shadiness with, with PlayStation and, and review scores. And that is that um, Gran Turismo 7, having just come out, um, added microtransactions after launch, expensive ones, <laughs> forty dollar cars. We're talking about here, and I think, sure. <clears throat> and I'm not even. I know some people see the word microtransaction and like immediately go into like ape mode, like proper like silverback, but I don't. I think it does get a bit dubious when we're talking about expensive microtransactions in a full price game. That's different to like free to play. Um, the thing I'm really not liking here is adding shit after launch. And I've, I'm pretty sure early on in the show, like way back, we spoke about the idea of like COD doing this. Um, and I just, I hate this man. I hate people. Like I hate devs keeping, or I guess whoever's decision it is, publishers, whatever, keeping shit out of the game that they know is going to negatively affect it critically. And then popping it in after all the reviews have come in. I hate that shit. Yes. It's just so dishonest. It's so annoying. It's like, look, if you need to monetize it, then that needs to be something that we can look at with a critical eye. Because somebody's gonna buy like somebody's gonna buy this game that maybe like see the reviews that maybe haven't been updated, and they're not gonna think that a lot of stuff is like, oh, I can play this car in Gran Turismo 7. Oh no, I can't. It's in the store for $40. And this, like I said, this is not mm. Sony is the latest one to have done this with this game. And I think it's the first time they've done anything like this, actually. But I don't, this in principle is my problem of adding stuff just after reviews have dropped. I think it's really super scummy. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I, I absolutely couldn't agree more. It's, 
it's just it, like you said, it's just dishonest, isn't it? It's kind of just like yeah, you're you're just kind of holding your cards until <laughs> until everything's out on the table, and you're like, right. okay, yeah, we're kind of happy with this now. Boom, and then they just drop it, and it's just. I don't know. I feel like if you're planning something like that, you either have to make people aware that microtransactions are coming or just like, I guess maybe just hold them for a little bit longer as well. But because literally doing it like a day or two after launch or after review embargoes is just like, it's so obvious their intention was to just not skew the, re- the, the review scores yeah. with this sort of stuff. So it's just like, I mean, just is it? Re- can, can you not just hold it like two months or three months, and that you get a lot less heat for it or something, or like, or just just make people aware that that this is happening? I don't know. I don't know how you do that pre-launch, but um, yeah, because it, it's pretty obvious that these these sort of cars obviously could have been in the game. They were made for the game, made for launch or whatever, and then they just cut it out fucking pair of scissors and then just put a price tag on it um and then and then they wait for reviews to drop yeah it's 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 pretty horrible man yeah it's it's quite scummy and yeah this is my definitely better ways you can do it i don't inherently hate microtransactions but when people are just trying to pull the wall over your eyes that's that's why i hate more is that it's that concept Exactly, like drop it all together as like a bundle in season two or like, you know, whatever it is. Like, you know, make it actually like sweeten yeah. the deal a bit. Don't just make it like... Woo, phew, you, those you haven't know, affected like, 88, fellas. <laughs> we got 88. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah. Or, or just create them as like the gold editions, you know, like the silver or gold editions of the game or something like that. You know, like right off the bat, people can purchase these things and be fully aware of it. Um, by the edition of the game they choose or something yeah um i don't know that makes it a little bit better i guess but yeah and, and this is so this is like kind of like the, the the wider point again of like the kind of obsession like with with these aggregate review scores and playstation playing into it i feel mm. um because they fully well know rather than being upfront about what will be in the game it's like nope let's just hold it back get the good reviews and then we'll put it in We'll catch the negativity, ar- negativity yeah. afterwards, but it won't matter because the majority of people are just going to list wars, like Metacritic scores. And it's like, mm. uh, that shit doesn't that shit doesn't fly with me. And like, you won't see me letting anybody like get away with this like back in the day. Um, like Activision did this all the time with cards and I will be pissed if they continue with any sort of this sort of practice when they uh, inevitably sort of fall under Xbox. Like, I, it's just not cool. Um and that's aside from yeah. the fact that it's an expensive microtransaction in a full price game like that's already like ear like on the edge <laughs> for me yeah anyway. yeah it's pretty bad it, it, it would definitely spur me on to do like an instant review update um on my yeah. on my site or my platform and just be like alert you know they've just added this shit you know not necessarily dragging down the score, but anyone who clicks or watches the video from that point is fully aware that this is a thing sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, they can maybe drag it down a point or two and then that updates on them. That's a critic aggregate score. But then, like you said, at that point, it's too late. They've sold their copies. The embargo's gone. You know, people have hit that pre-order button based on that day or two. Uh, the review came out before launch. So, exactly. And it's one of those things that I've said before about the games industry is just like, it doesn't seem well regulated in a lot of these things. Like the fact that this isn't like, it would be ridiculous 
if you know if this happened with a movie right you know you pay full price for a movie and you read the reviews it's like you know two and a half hours long of like this that and the other then you go to watch it and it's actually only an hour and a half and they're like yeah we (laughs) what was originally in it is actually just going to be a disney plus series now we changed our mind like i I wouldn't fly yeah like i I don't actually see how that would be legal or you know like same thing we made the comparison about um like buying a meal right (laughs) You know, you go to a restaurant and they're like, oh, yeah, this is an excellent meal. It comes with this, that, and the other. And then you buy it and they're like, oh, well, you know, actually, we'll give you the rest um, in a little bit. <laughs> and you've got to pay again for it, you know. So yeah. I just don't see how the shit kind of flies. But nonetheless, it does. And that's how it is. And I think one of the, I've always said that one of the things that we can do, or not we, one of the things that the industry can do um, to combat this is to be a bit more fluid with reviews update them more and i understand this requires more manpower but update reviews more maybe we need to get more comfortable with the idea of having like revisiting a game like a week after launch like just two just two points Mm. of entry you know the initial embargo lifting review and then the one week after update um and that sort of stuff is gonna will disincentivize this like you said it won't stop the fact that reviews and numbers will already be up um, but at least it gives some fluidity to it um, and disincentivizes that sort of behavior. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I, I do think as, as these things keep happening or whatever, I think regulations will eventually be put in place and things will be looked at. Um, but it has taken its time and lots of games have done this. So it's hard to say exactly when, but like you said, it just comes to, get, it just comes to a point where you've got to stand together as a, as a, as a fan base um as as a unit and just you know because the same shit happened with battlefront 2 right the 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 user ended up winning that war so um star wars the stuff got removed yeah yeah remember that when they released with like the insane microtransactions and and everyone just yeah and everyone just went up in arms and they completely reverted it and they completely you know gave the power back to the user and stuff like that so you know, I, f- I feel like stuff like that needs to be done um, to to get these things in check and to put these companies in check a little bit because um, it's just it's just dishonest, right? So yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Well, hopefully, I think that's our PlayStation segment <laughs> this week. Uh, yeah, quite a lot of PlayStation this week. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just like a lot of drama stuff. But I mean, nonetheless, um, hopefully everybody's in, if anybody's out there with PlayStation listening, hopefully um, you're enjoying your time with Gran Turismo 7. Um, and um, I hope we see some, even though, again, not for me, but I hope we see more uh, Forza Motorsport 8 soon. Yeah, hope, hopefully we see that this year as well. Yeah, I think it's 8. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, next up then, really, it was the Games Pass editions for this month, and um, I'm sure you've already heard, but the, the sort of uh, the, the main title here is Guardians of the Galaxy, um, which I, I, and I'm sure a lot of other people thought at some point was going to make its way to Games Pass. It seems like the perfect game, right? Um, bit of a sleeper hit, critically did well, commercially fell under Square Enix's expectations like every fucking game does. Uh, but that's pretty big. I like that. I like this a lot. I feel like it only went, it fell under expectations because of fucking the shitstorm that was Avengers that came before A little it. bit, but I don't think the marketing um, was that good either, though. It, it, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't make it look particularly 
I don't know. It, I remember watching the marketing and trying to be going in with an open mind, and I was still like, it's just, this isn't doing anything for me. So yeah, yeah, I kind of know what you mean. What 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 turned my eye towards it and thought oh, maybe I'll buy this was solely the review scores and the fact that it was a bit of a sleeper hit, not so That's much right. the, the 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 marketing. Um, but yeah, man, it's um. Yeah, you did call this. You did say that it'll be on Games Pass um, relatively soon in its life cycle. So um, it's pretty hype, man. You know, I think when hopefully it's still there for a period of time that when I'm, I feel like taking maybe a day's break from Elden Ring, just maybe, um, I'll boot I'll boot this up and play it. So, um, but it's hard to say how long these games will be on Games Pass for. So yeah, um, usually it's for a while. Get it on download and give it a play. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. They're, they're normally on there for at least like four months, like at least like a third of the year, yeah, or something like that. They're 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 on for uh, quite a while normally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is pretty hype, and I think I will play it because um, it looks fun, and I like Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, agreed. Um, alongside that, there was also flight flight simulator for cloud, which that finally happened because we've been talking about the idea of like cloud and what cloud can do for a while, and this was like one of the first things that we were like, oh, that's like cool tech. That's like a cool tech potential. Um, so that means mm. not just cloud on your phone, but it means cloud streaming to like Xbox Ones. And if you don't already know, flight sim can only be played on the new series X and S. So if you ever wanted to, you could now stream it to your your Xbox One, um, which I think is going to become. I think that's really that this addition to games pass this month is really indicative of where of the direction xbox is going i I think for the most part most triple a productions from xbox from now are only going to be next gen that we know of they've said redfall is next gen only they've said that Mm -hmm. uh starfield is next gen only we're expecting maybe one or two indies that might be exclusive um or, or not indies but smaller games um the josh sawyer's um from like smaller game from uh, Obsidian is maybe expected this year, Pentiment, and maybe that other one um, when uh, uh, when dusk falls, when when dusk falls, maybe that one as well. Um, I expect those ones to still be cross gen, but I would say the AAA ones from this point, and and if they can get them straight into Cloud Games Pass on day one as well, I think that's a pretty big a pretty big success. Yeah, for sure, man. Um... I think it's yeah, it's it's that whole just uh, inclusive thing that I think Xbox is just going for, isn't it? Where it's just like you can kind of you know you don't need the the latest hardware or anything like that, or you know if you don't have the money or chip shortage, you can't get your hand on one. You know you can just sort of play these on whatever you want, um, and it'd kind of be interesting to see what games make their way to it and actually how much better they uh, perform sort of thing i I, yeah. I know what you mean like when you were saying everything's like will be next gen exclusive anyway but it, it would just be interesting to say like if you're playing it on a xbox one x like elden ring on an xbox one x but you can also cloud play the game are you better off actually just playing it on your xbox one x you know because it, it is made for it as well or are you actually better off playing it from the cloud right yeah. like do yeah. you get a better experience that way um, so I think it'll be quite interesting to see even between games that are made for both platforms, whether or not cloud option will be the more superior option anyway. Um, mm. But yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, no, it's a good point. Because I mean, they're they're all running on uh, Series X blades now, I believe. Um, I'm not sure how it. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure if it scales. Like, I, I don't know if it if like if you're playing on a One S, if it goes from server a Series S server blades, or if they're just all Series X. So I really can't remember. Um, so yeah, it means you get like good loading times and and things like that. But yeah, obviously it comes with things like artifacting and input delay that you do get with um, cloud gaming. Uh, but yeah, no, that's yeah. a great point. Yeah. Um, so just to top off the rest of the games that are coming for the month as well, we've got Far Changing Tides, which um, actually looks delightful. Uh, Kentucky Route Zero, uh, I think that says Young Souls. I've got Lightning Returns. Is that Final Fantasy? Yeah, it's Final Fantasy. It's the um, it's the third one in the Final Fantasy thirteen series. Right. Okay. Um, so yeah, thirteen, thirteen two, and then Lightning Returns was the finale for that trilogy. Right. Okay. Uh, and then we've got uh, the greatest of all time, Lawn Mowing Simulator. Um, stunning. That game. That, game, that game has like an actual <laughs> cult following. <laughs> oh, oh, it does. Yeah, dude. I've actually seen gameplay of it as well, and it looks... It's so therapeutic to watch. <laughs> yeah. like, seriously. I know. It actually looks like a great time. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Okay, what's next? Uh, so up next, we've got... Um, so Phil, we spoke about the, uh, Phil Spencer getting a Dice Award a couple of weeks back uh, for you know, contributions to the industry, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, and he essentially just went on the on the mic and said, um, "Stop weaponizing games <laughs> for for fanboy wars." <laughs> that was like essentially what what was summarized, and um, you can't. Like every chance, every time he gets in front of a microphone, he makes a good effort to like try and like squash any like annoying, you know, Twitter. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, like toxic behavior. That's it. And I, I just think that's really good. Like we haven't really had someone in the industry who's like done that before. Um, so I'm I'm glad he's just vocal for that because a lot of people don't like that. A lot of people like idiots. I, I like, oh God, you know, he's not aggressive enough, or like he's too passive. And it's like, what is this? <laughs> These are game consoles. Just, <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I think it's actually quite sincere because I think he just cares about the industry. You know, he just wants it to be the best it can be. And that comes with competitors as well, right? Healthy competition, not toxic competition and stuff like that. You know, there's there's ways to do it that keep it clean and then keep it fun for everyone, right? Yeah. Um, and we've we've said this before as well, like, he is he is a gamer right like he does love his games like you you can tell and he's very passionate about it and i think he just wants he just wants to clean up the industry he's like the fucking batman of the gaming industry he's just cleaning up streets (laughs) he's vengeance yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) puts on a mask at night yeah that's it fucking breaks all the keyboard warriors fingers (laughs) like yeah he's got like an xbox mask yeah (laughs) Wow, yeah, he's, 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 he's a boy, old Philly Spence. I like him. Instead of batarangs, he's got like little Xbox, like sharp Xbox controllers, like that he throws out like shurikens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and a little oh, fucking Xbox it. shine in the air, in the sky. <laughs> the X light. <Yeah. laughs> what a boy. I love it. It's perfect. Uh, and I did want to give a shout out as well to um, the Xbox and uh, the team over at Xbox Era um, who have got Phil Spencer going on their show for the 100th episode. If anybody from the community or there is listening, wow, 
Everness. I'm, I'm very excited for you. We, we were speaking about, well, like, what would we do if, if we ever got Phil on the show? I mean, obviously, you know, at 19 subscribers, he might have to reschedule his, uh, his diary. <laughs> um i'd be so i'd be so nervous <laughs> yeah i wouldn't even know i wouldn't even know what to fucking talk about dude i don't even know what to talk about anyway <laughs> i feel like what's your favorite food <laughs> philly cheesesteak everyone knows that oh yeah that's a fair point yeah uh, come on man but i mean those guys have yeah, guests on got... all the time so they handle they'll handle it great but yeah yeah. I mean, we've got 44 more episodes to up our game and get him on the show. So, <laughs> yeah. You know. If we can be at 10,000 subscribers, that'd be great. Exactly. Come on, guys. <laughs> Just like the video, share it, and then maybe by 100, we'll get Philly on as well. Yeah. Do us a favor. Yeah. One like equals one Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> um, basic math. Yeah, it is. <laughs> All right, uh, so next up, uh, Xbox Wire. Um, you know, the website that does all the Xbox blog updates and everything. Um, they're launching a Japan website, Xbox Wire Japan, um, which is, as it says on the tin, um, I have not much to add other than good, um, but, you know, clearly it's showing the direction that Xbox, they are still wanting to get in, break into Japan and um, they, the sales figures have been pretty good still um you know we've already said that it's already outsold xbox one by like 30k and it's obviously only in you know the first what we in the second year first yeah first year still um or no second year (laughs) second year of his his life cycle um versus eight years of xbox one so you know it it bodes well it's not going at the same speed that the 360 was but you know I, i think that's frankly to be expected at least until games start getting cranked out uh more regularly um but i i think you know xbox have needed a channel like this for japan for a while so yeah 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 for sure i don't i don't think it's too much ex- like expenditure on their half as well to just dive into this a little bit more and and try and increase the community around there um especially if sales are improving as well you know there's a market there as mm. well so um and with the more you know we've been getting more jrpgs on the system and trying to make it a bit more japan friendly as well and appeal to more people over there it's just slow but steady improvements and us just getting our foot in the door over there and yeah it's just positive for sure big agree next up um Age of Empires is um, getting its first major update of 2022 very soon. And with that also came a lovely little roadmap. Um, Unfortunately, I don't see any console port here, but maybe that's happening under the hood. (laughs) Uh, Nonetheless, it all looks really interesting. Um, uh, So season one for ranked uh, content editor uh, tools and mods. Um, Lots of challenges, lots of quality of life improvements. And then season two. Uh, map vote systems fully remappable hotkeys more ranked uh selection improvements um so yeah lots of stuff that's kind of lost on me but nonetheless um clearly the game could got off to the you know uh got from the right foot uh, and, and it's getting the content it needs um and as i'll keep saying <laughs> i'll wait for the day that it all get, that gets uh put into console yeah yeah yeah, I mean, yeah, the the game launched good, and you know us, we love a good roadmap, and I'm sure so do a lot of people. 
people like to know what's coming up so it's good that they're being so vocal about it so quickly as well um yeah and uh and yeah cool good for them cool good for them uh great okay so i think if i'm not mistaken we're down to is it our last news story i think it or maybe not our last well near the end anyway um i'm wondering if i should leave if we should maybe leave halo to last or if we should just do that now um what have we got uh no let's do it now that's fine so um for those who haven't already heard i'm sure you have um 343 did finally say something about um they kind of what's happening with season two um they had initially promised a roadmap by the end of january and february the first rolled around and you know people messaged the team and was like where's the roadmap what's going on and they said you know joseph stain said uh we are still lining things up and haven't been able to put it together fully so this happened you know this week at the beginning of march so it was another month's delay on that um Clearly, and, and you know they speak about this here soon, but clearly things have been slower than they have wanted it to go, um, mm. uh, in a number of a number of ways. So, the too long didn't read of this essentially is that co-op campaign co-op got a very minor delay. They said it won't launch at the beginning of season two as intended, but it will still be coming in season two. Forge is still on track for the beginning of season three, which hopefully will only be three months after season two hopefully they can get back into the get into the rhythm of of three of uh yeah three months or quarterly seasons um mm-hmm. and with season two what they've announced or I, I guess not just season two but what what has been put down on the roadmap is two new maps one arena one big team battle three new modes uh like one is a remix of returning modes one's like a elimination style free-for-all can't remember what the other one is um something newer i think uh balance changes they also said uh and they said more news to come um next month in april and there's a there's an event that's starting this week so by the time you hear this it'll probably already be live tactical ops um with its own free tracker and everything so what are your thought that there's a, there's a lot of really good information by the way in this article so i would really recommend reading it because they kind of give a bit more insight into like their priorities what's going on where they're at um in terms of wanting to get more out but but what's your thoughts, mm. Tim, on kind of state state of Halo and like this update? <clears throat> well, state of Halo, um, I think we can all agree is is quite dry at the moment. Um, so that's that's pretty quick and easy to t- to, to touch on that. There hasn't really been any any sort of um, <clears throat> uh, balance changes or sandbox changes or anything like that, really. Um, and with BTB being out of the mix for so long, it kind of felt like we had less of a game for such a long period of time. So it's quite dry. But <clears throat> th- this update, I think, is is fine. It doesn't it doesn't have me singing and dancing. It doesn't have me being crazy excited. But it's still new stuff, and there's it's not like there's a tiny amount. There's not a large amount but there's not a tiny amount either. It's that sort of like in the middle, um, you know, three new modes. I, I'm assuming this will be over the course of the season, not just like season two starts. You've got three new modes. I'm assuming these will be introduced throughout the course of the season, right? Like, yeah, I don't know, actually. I think that's probably how they would do it. And the maps as well. 
maybe maybe not the maps but the modes like i mean at least this is how i pictured them doing it based on how they've done it in season one but who knows maybe they'll just drop it all in one lump sum i don't know um and and you know so that's nice three new modes is lots of new content if they're done if they're done well um especially being played on the new maps um so that, that so that's that's two new maps right so it's one one arena and one br btb br btb um that's not fantastic it it's not it's not bad but just just one new map per sort of category game category i guess is it's it's not it's not fantastic they kind of drip feed in that um but it's it's still it's still a, a welcome change, I guess. I mean, because there are two BTB maps at the moment, right? Or is there three? There's three. Okay, so you're essentially adding like another twenty five percent onto the map. So I guess it's not so bad in the scheme yeah. of things. Imagine if they said that. But, um, <laughs> We're adding twenty five percent more. Percent more, <laughs> more maps. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that that's pretty that's pretty poor. Um, and not fantastic but hey if they're well designed maps and they're good i'll play on them there's so much you can do with these halo maps we know how in- intricate they are to learning and stuff like that so there's a lot of game time to be said for having a new map added to a pool um mm. and then obviously they're, they're quite vague with balance changes i think that kind of depends on what that turns into um because balance changes could be anything it sounds nice, but it, they could be like the smallest, quite insignificant tweaks that the community isn't really wanting, sort of thing. So it might not actually be as big as you think when they say something like that. Um, mm-hmm. It might not actually shake shake up the meta as much as you perceive it to. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm quite lukewarm on it overall. Um, but the whole new battle pass and stuff like that's intriguing. The new cores look cool. New core, sorry, looks cool. And the theme is quite cool as well when you look at the armor, like, like Dex said on the actual um, article. Yeah. Uh, you can have a look at the the armor, uh, the armor sets, and the new core as well, and they do look pretty cool. So it is worth a look. Yeah. Um, so, but overall, I think based on the way I'm reading it and what's coming, I'd give that like a, I guess six and a half, seven. On like the hype scale, maybe maybe like a seven. Yeah, like it's cool, but it's not blowing me away. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think there's some like funny irony that they've called the season lone wolves and then are delaying co-op <laughs> like yeah, off the launch yeah, yeah. of the season. Uh, but yeah, you're absolutely right. No, like that. This is just in terms of like content drops that they've so far, and like, we, I don't know. I, I would say it probably is realistic to not expect any more maps um for day one season two like two two sounds right one btb one arena um would i have liked more like yes but like there is going to be a new battle pass like you said uh in theme with the armor cores not not the armor cores the armor pieces well maybe it is but uh, the armor pieces that are there um which look sick and then that other one which is more like fallout inspired the like really beefy one that's going to be from the ongoing fracture event that goes on throughout the season same as the as the tenrai um so there's lots of stuff, like obviously, you know, like uh, the stuff that's going to, I imagine, I'd like to imagine that this battle pass will be quite beefed up. I, I mean, I quite enjoyed season one's battle pass. I mean, I know a lot of people didn't, but I quite enjoyed the stuff that was in it. But they've already said that like, there are going to be credits in it. There are going to be new effects, you know, 
Um, this, that, and the other. So that that is true as well. And they've also mentioned like gameplay and balance changes. So we'll have to see. And when they share more information uh, next month, it will be interesting to revisit because I, I think I'm with you. I'm kind of I'm lukewarm with that. It, it will. I think it will. Once they start putting the marketing tools together, you know, and they start like showing off the new battle pass, you know, what's actually in it and what's in the new map, and oh look, like here's some balance changes to make like this gun better and this equipment better, and maybe there is something else they're looking to add as well. Then I'll probably get a bit more into gear, but like looking at this very much from like a list taking standpoint, where I'm like, you know, two new maps, three new game modes, and some armor. I'm like, that's that's fine, mm. I, I guess. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think it is. It, yeah, and it's it's really interesting as well because of all people, I didn't think uh, act. I've called him out before. The Act Man on, on YouTube, who does a lot of Halo videos, um, recently did a video about kind of like uh, the state of Infinite and everything. And um, he said that he has, and I don't think he ever has done this before, but he says that he's spoken to um, a contact he has within 343 um, who says that, like, firstly, the game is still very much alive. Um, and obviously, take this all with a hint of salt because Act Man is hardly like a source. But, you know, he's saying that he has a credible source from within. And, you know, that's fine. Um, he's putting his neck on the line. He's quite a big YouTuber by saying this stuff. So I feel like there must be a, a degree of credibility. Yeah. He's saying that the game is yeah. still very much alive because people keep posting Steam numbers, which are low. I mean, there's no way to put it. The Steam numbers are are low. They shouldn't be that low. Um, but Steam was never the primary platform. And it supposedly it's still in the hundreds of thousands when all platforms are combined, you know, across the Windows Store steam and all the xboxes which are obviously going to be the primary platforms um so i think there is like a little bit of like unnecessary alarmism about halo's numbers just because people keep drawing on like steam numbers but nonetheless he said that there is lots of stuff like in the works and lots of very exciting stuff um that is just it's in the pipeline and i think you know we've said this before that it really does feel like 343 are just trying their best to iron everything out to get so that they have like the, a super sturdy foundation to start putting stuff on. And you can argue like, oh, shouldn't it have been like that on day one? Well, like, yes, but you know, I think this is the give and take of the life service. Um, not not that there has been much of a life service <laughs> anyway, other than some events here and there. Um, but that that's kind of where I'm at with this. Um, as long as they're confident they can pull players back and have some exciting stuff lined up, then mm. by all means this season shouldn't hopefully they are able to get it into a place where seasons can be three months long because that's the right cadence may i want to go back and i want to play that game more i just want a bit i want firstly more friends <laughs> and those friends need more uh you know like more incentives and obviously i do as well but you see my point yeah i think i think playing the playing the long game isn't necessarily a bad thing, especially with the state of the FPS market as it is. Um, with Call of Duty taking a break, uh, is it this year or is it next year? This year? No, no, they're doing. They're releasing one this year. It's next year. It'll be Modern Warfare Two. This uh, year. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, I guess with 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 Call of Duty, obviously they still got one releasing, but they have a bit of a break as well. People being not too hot on Call of Duty for a long time now. Uh, battlefield just tanking it so hard um <clears throat> i feel like it's smart 
to just take your time and to just build a foundation. And I feel like you can pull players back because there's not much else going on in terms of the multiplayer first-person shooter market anyway. Um, and everyone already knows that Halo is is crispy, right? Like, they've played it. They've enjoyed it. Um, so I don't know why my laptop just went to sleep. Am I still here? Yeah, you're still here. Really <laughs> um, yeah, cool. Um, yeah, so it's just... People have played it, and they know they know what it's like. Um, and I feel like they can be pulled back um, with that's the right, right. stuff. Um, that's right. And I, th- I think yeah. that's that is the important thing for the most part. As much as it has been a shame that this has been too slow, um, even for me, uh, yeah. it made a big splash. And I think that's the important thing. Like the big, that big initial splash, I think, is going to be enough of a sticking point for a lot of people to come back when another season does launch. You're like, oh, that's sweet. Look at all that new armor. Oh, these new maps look cool. Oh, look at those game modes as well. Oh, look, they've rebalanced like the plasma pistol and like, you know, and they've done this, that, and the other. They've made the thrust better. And all of the vehicles are better now as well. Um, you know, and all of this, I think, will start to come together into like a modest. I don't think it's going to be massive because the team aren't epic. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that they aren't crunching the team into the, into their graves <laughs> to get content out every week. No. Um, so I think it will be like, if it results in like a modest, but exciting package, then people are going to come back and it's the cadence they need to sort out. Like if people come back, like what's going to make people stay. And I, to be honest, I, I would say like the biggest thing has been the six month wait, because we would be in season, uh, we would be in. We'd have been in season two last month, by now, November. Wasn't yeah. It? So yeah. Uh, so yeah. What well, if they can get that sorted and get that cadence going? Then then I think that's going to really work for them. And if they need to take an extra month or two to make sure that all those ducks in a row, people will come back. It's just, I I think there is a limit of times that people will keep coming back. Probably, you know, in terms of that yeah. up and down and up and down. So it's just like. Once you've got them, make sure you have them for a good period of time. Obviously not forever. We all have lives and need to play other games. <laughs> but I, I think that that's probably the goal. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Cool. Yep. And um, I guess uh, what I'll just... Because I just saw in the in the screenshots I've taken here uh, the, the names of the of the modes, so I just wanted to call them out. Um, Last Spartan Standing, a free-for-all elimination mode, as well as another new mode named Land Grab. That sounds like a BTV mode to me. Uh, plus the return yeah. of an updated all-time favorite mode, King of the Hill, which sounds like an arena mode. So um, I'm interested to see um, what land grab is. Last Spartan, last Spartan Standing kind of sounds like, like I don't know. I don't know. That doesn't interest me that much. It's like a mini battle royale, <laughs> like a free-for-all, like, you know, just one life uh, free-for-all rounds. Yeah, search, search and destroy kind of thing. Yeah, yeah that's right. Um, so, yeah. We'll see how it all plays out. Hopefully there is more for them to talk about next month, um, whether that's with the actual reveal of what the patch notes are or like, you know, if I was being really optimistic, like a new piece of equipment or a new weapon, but I'm, I'm kind of doubtful. Um, I'm surprised they didn't address any like stat trackers or like having a career, a Spartan career. They did mention it. They did mention uh, it. Me- menu like implemented. Oh, okay. All right. They mentioned it because um, they spoke about like kind of their priorities. Um, and what they're doing and they spoke about like what those priorities are and um whereas yeah, i was looking at it earlier but yeah they essentially said uh, uh yeah an example oh yeah of this known hot list issue is spartan career aka score-based player progression so yeah 
Okay. Yeah. Uh, some items have been addressed and cleared from that hot list. For example, BTB matchmaking. Some have had partial improvements but need more work. For example, anti-cheat. And others are in active development but not yet released, such as Spartan Career, Campaign Carp and Forge. Um, okay. Yeah. I think... And I've, I keep saying because, like, stuff is, like, regularly leaking from Forge now. And... Um, like there's not loads and loads and loads, but there's like the occasional thing that you watch and you're like, this is going to be nuts. Like I saw someone using yeah. a sentinel beam as a, they, I don't know how they done it, but it was like a gravity, what, like a gravity gun. Like, a, uh, mm. what's, was it, is it Gary's mod or is it half like, what's the gun you can use in that game? Where you can just like pick stuff up and move it around and plop it down. It's like the really famous, do you know what I'm talking about? Portal. Okay. And you can do that. It's portal. But it's not the one I'm, it's not, it's not the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm uh, pretty sure Half-Life does that. And it's like a beam that you pick it up with. Um, anyway, someone yeah. did that with the Sentinel beam and you like clicked on it and you like moved stuff around and like he was like building. Obviously he was in Forge mode too. <laughs> that kind of makes it redundant, but in terms of like putting that into a game mode, um, mm. like you could create a whole game with that, like that level of like mechanical depth. Like that's just, so I guess mm, there, there's- Spartan some... basketball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's, there's something to be said about like I wonder and I don't want to like blame the player base here but like because I like they are right but there is a degree of like the amount of urgency and pressure that the player base put on three for three when the game came out to fix not not fix but like add shit kind of broke the game and let's not the player like obviously 343 can fix, can add things without breaking the game. But there is a degree of like, the reason BTB broke is because they did a playlist update. Because, you know, everybody was like, we need free for all SWAT, you know, we need like Fiesta to stay in. Um, and they were like, oh, we're not ready. Yeah. And it took them like one or two weeks. And in that time, everybody was losing their shit. And then they rushed out the door and BTB broke. Um, and I'm interested yeah. if, and then like the other thing we spoke about was like the battle pass. Oh, progression's too slow. Progression's too slow. Okay, we'll ramp it up. Oh, we finished the battle pass too quickly. Where's all the content? Mm. Uh, and and it's like, I'm interested because like, and then people said the same thing about co-op campaign. Like, this is number one priority. A co-op campaign needs to be in the game. Like, and like, at, like as soon as you can get it in. Maybe Forge should have been priority. Like, if Forge came out early, then we've got new maps. We've got new mode. Like, people are staying in the ecosystem and in the game. Um, yeah. You know? Yeah. And maybe Forge did. I would have rather had, but I would have rather had Forge over a campaign if you were to give me the option. Obviously, I don't know if it's quite as black and white as that, but if you were to give me the option, I I would choose Forge over Cult Campaign. Yeah, I I think I would as well because I think Infinite. Obviously, I know it, and it's the heritage. That's the problem. I think Infinite worked like perfectly as a single player game. I think it would work great as a co-op, like uh, with a co-op experience as well. But now, like I, I don't feel like it. It, it wouldn't benefit the game as much as a as a forge, essentially. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, something to be said about that, but yeah, I, you know, I, I'm not going to pretend there hasn't been some mismanagement or mishandling from three four three's end here. But yeah, it's it, it's worth bearing in mind because I think sometimes these communities can get so loud and put so much pressure on teams that, like, you know, there's only so much pressure you can put on something before it before it pops. And I, I do kind of feel like that happened a little bit. Um, with some of these, the urgency of these changes. Yeah. All right. Then. Agreed. 
let's move on to our let's move on to the last story um of the day uh, so this is actually really new and i don't know if anybody actually any of the other weekend like weekend podcasts have spoken about this um and essentially there is a trademarked ip from bethesda that was initially i think it was initially coined in 2018 but it's recently been renewed um or it's had a trademark application filed so this comes from skullsy on twitter you know popular leaker rumor speculator etc etc um so so they're saying um spy team a secret bethesda game that seems to have been in the works for some time now recently had its trademark application filed for 2022 um my understanding is that there's been maybe uh speculation about this since 2018 um and when we're talking about what this means or who's doing it, they're potentially looking at um, Roundhouse Studios. Roundhouse Studios used to be Human Head, um, and they were working in 2018 on uh, a PvPVE third-person shooter based on a major comic license. Obviously, we don't know if this is like... That got canned, or if this is it, but the timelines line up for that. Um, So, um, and we have heard from like other outlets that this is going to be quite a big Bethesda year in terms of releases and announcements. So we could potentially see something from Roundhouse um, in the form of Spy Team. Um, (laughs) What does that game, like what major comic license could Spy Team be in reference to? What does that mean? (laughs) I have no idea. So it's almost a bit of a campy name, isn't it? So, Spy Team. Yeah, so that that's that's what the game is theoretically called. Spy Team. Yeah, well, p- possibly, yeah. Um, maybe. Okay. It's that's to do with a game at the very least. And it's a comic book license. And it's been in the works since 2018. So it's had a good four, four, four years development. Yeah. A major potentially, allegedly, yeah, potentially, yeah, being in, yeah, so four years at least. Yeah, I mean that's that's really interesting. Yeah, Um, I mean, at at what point in the game's life cycle when something gets trademarked is is that is so? Is that's quite late in its cycle? Like, I don't understand the whole. Yeah, I mean, obviously, sort of length. Yeah, well, from my understanding is that like you obviously want to coin it as early as you can, but you don't know. You might not know what the game's called until a certain point. So it might have only... Yeah. And, and once you know what the game's called, that's when you start making assets in terms of UI or stuff in game, etc. So at that point, it's like, okay, we need to get... Because we don't want to lose this and have to redo all the assets. Um, so, yeah, it, it does sound like a little bit on the late end, but maybe, you know... This is a sign that it's coming together, like maybe coming into like an alpha playable state sort of thing, because they, you know, they've kind of figured out what it is, what the gameplay loop is, and, and you know, essentially what it's going to be called. Um, it could definitely be an indication of, yeah. of, of that. Okay, I mean, yeah, it sounds it sounds very interesting. I mean, it is pure speculation. It's it's it could just not be this in any way, and you know, a trademark for just an early. Like you said, a very early game could have been made, and this game could still be years off. Who knows? But mm. um, I'm a big fan of a PV, PvPVE genre. Um, yeah, it's I quite think underused. Quite, quite a few games. Yeah, yeah. 
I think there's quite a few games that I've enjoyed that have, have done it quite well. Um, so it'd be quite interesting to see see how that works, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah, me yeah, too. Very I probably think that this isn't... Because I think you th- we think comic license and everybody's mind jumps to like Marvel or superhero stuff, but I, I bet it's probably something else that... It says major, but obviously I'm not I'm not like big on comics, so I don't I can't think of any major things. But this is sounding no, more like DC level. What's um, uh, what's that film called? Um, what was the what was the film called where Zack Snyder? Um, the like the first like popular DC film, and it had that big blue guy in it. <laughs> what's, that game? what's that film called? The uh, big blue guy. Yeah, you know, he's a blue guy. He gets zapped by electricity and he's like, he's blue and naked. And he floats around and he's like... Oh, uh, Watchmen. Watchmen, yeah, thank you. It sounds, it sounds, Spy Team, just as a name, sounds like something more in line with that. I guess maybe it's just Watchmen, Spy Team. I don't know. It sounds like something more aligned with like grounded DC comic kind of direction, doesn't it? It's not like Iron Man fighters or, you know, it's not shit like that. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Potentially. I mean, you say grounded, you just described the blue man who got zapped by lightning. No, but that's why. <laughs> that well, I suppose that is true. But like, for the, that, that's like as far as that comic goes, like, you know, for the most part. Yeah. You're like yeah. Ross, Ross Arsh and then the rest are like pretty pretty grounded but yeah um yeah. you'll have to wait and see yeah, yeah I'm, I'm i'm interested in like a pvpv genre and like from the just for the rest of the job listing what what has else has been said here is um assumed lead programmer role and continue developing project through alpha worked on all gameplay systems from player movement weapons status effects game modes and many other areas including networking optimization and all ai for a variety of creatures in the world maybe not so grounded hmm Mm-hmm. interesting yeah so i mean it, it does seem bethesda have like a fair bit in their pocket because there really isn't so much, much going on yeah there, there isn't much out there about like what bethesda are doing it's all quite secretive um other than the obvious what we already know about but they have like seven teams we're doing something i mean we know Deathlo- uh uh arcane leon just wrapped up with Deathloop, and we know that tango are doing ghostwire uh, but there's still another arcane hmm. team. There's still machine games. You know, there's Roundhouse, obviously. Um, Zenimax, we know, are doing something else, supposedly with a, a like a big license. So, you know, there's yeah. lots going on there. We've got to see it at some point. So, um, I hope Xbox have a lot of time <laughs> to, to show, show this, like all this stuff. Yeah. Well, Bethesda is like our little baby. So that's right. Hopefully, we'll give them the the limelight to yeah. show it all off. Hopefully, but yeah, cool. That's my team. I started to hear more about that. Um, so I mean, that is everything from us today, um, ladies and gents. Um, is there anything else you want to add today, Tim? Before we wrap up and go and get lost in the lands between again? <coughs> uh, no, I want to go get lost in the lands between. Um, no, I'm pretty sure we covered everything. Uh, I don't really have anything to add um, per se. So, yes, I'm good Excellent. to wrap up. Great. All right, then. Well, thanks for coming, everybody. We will catch you probably next week uh, for episode 47. Where We're coming up to a year, man. We're coming up to a year. We'll be doing this for longer than a year, are we? 
but it's 52 weeks in a year. I guess we have missed weeks here and there. Hmm. Yeah. Well, all right. Yeah. I guess we're, we're coming up yeah. to our, our years, our 52nd episode, I guess is the, is the, the point. Um, yeah. 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 yeah it's quite <laughs> crazy. It's pretty mad. So thanks for sticking with us. Um, uh, if you've been a subscriber, uh, give us a like, give us a share, hit us up in the comments and we'll catch you in the next one. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.